0: This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we
1: face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a
0: liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. help God revitalize the existing church
1: in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out. Acts 20.28 20,
0: TJ here we are again back for another episode and just as always you know it seems like we're running crazy and we finally got on to record today so if you're out there listening and you're a pastor church leader no you're not alone all right we're all crazy busy and running through schedules and this is what we talk you know and life always happens so you just you know before we started recording talking about some of our crazy lives and and some of the different things that we deal with but hey it's
1: great to be back yeah I'm glad to be here it's a good opportunity to just kind of to calm down a little bit, uh, refocus. And anytime, obviously you get to gather, uh, and talk about God and his work is just kind of, uh, <laughs> it's better than the chaos that may be ensuing in your, in your life. So yeah, he's a rooting factor that, uh, helps us cope, uh, as we spoke <laughs> on Sunday, you know, with hope, with Advent, uh, hope to cope kind of thing. Um, and so I'm glad that we're, we're here. I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to to have a show for you today and uh yeah just excited for the season there's still a lot of lot of hope a lot of things going on as, as we move into uh, the Christmas season
0: yeah absolutely and like I said as we are recording this it is uh starting the Christmas season. Tomorrow is the first day of December. So we are definitely into that. And, you know, but with that said, whether it's holiday season or not, we know that our world is crazy. And in fact, I think just the other day, I was having a conversation with a guy from my church and, and he literally said, he's like, yeah, everything is so crazy. He's like, I, he's like, the only thing that's keeping me alive right now, you know, keep moving is my faith. He's like, I can't imagine if I didn't have God in my life you know, what what life would be like or what it'd be feeling right now. And I, I think we all feel that in some ways, right? I mean, you know, here we are, what, almost two years into this pandemic that some some of us thought was going to last a few months. And, you know, I, I mean, and again, now we just hear this news of another variant that's coming out and you know, all these, this, this talk of what's, what's going to come with it. But, but I think that the, the point is, is we don't know, right? I mean, there's so much that we don't know. Um, but we serve a God that does and a God that's in control. And so no matter how chaotic your life is right now, when you're listening to this, uh, just, you know, be encouraged, know that there is hope, right? That God's with you. And uh, you're not alone, right? In in this world, and because God's always with you, no matter what. And you know, even whatever you find through listening to us, right? We're here with you too, and we're 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 in all the craziness with you. So, uh, should we actually jump into some real maybe meaningful conversation? I don't know if that's. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, kind of one of the things we talked about. We talked about a little bit last show was uh, just kind of even governance and stuff. We talked about you know, employees and volunteers and key things like that. We've, we've discussed a lot of things over the course of, you know, now being in season two, but specifically this time, we're going to talk more about um, board governance. How do we make decisions? Um, how do those decisions get made? In fact, uh, <laughs> one of the things that we were talking about when we got on was uh, I was running around trying to make some of those decisions. In fact, I have uh, right now a pending email, because we have kind of a board led church. So yeah, let's jump in there and let's kind of lead the conversation and and see, hopefully that this is some help. Um, Obviously there's not one size fits all to these kinds of circumstances, but I think really understanding maybe how someone arrived there, maybe like apologetics is also very helpful because sometimes it just won't apply to your congregation or where you're serving or where you're leading. But If you understand the spirit or the reason as to why those things are like uh, accountability or checks and balances, those are a lot of the purposes. If you understand that part of it, then maybe you can find something that will be more tailor made to you um, that you can bounce off maybe your accountability people, whether that's board members or whether that's just even like a friend pastor like Brian and I do. So hopefully. You have the opportunity to vet that process, that you have people that can speak into that, that you can um, look at it from different angles and different perspectives. And I think, again, as we look at our faith, uh, you know, these things are meant, if done the right way, to help protect us stewardship wise and keep us above reproach. And so like um, how we navigate those things are so important because I think probably more than ever, like you talk about with the chaos and stuff that's been ensuing regardless of the season. um, You know, I think especially where we live in Seattle, um, you know, we got people just wanting to see the church fail. And so I think us being wise and doing the right thing uh, is always going to be important wherever we're at. But I think specifically where you serve, uh, that might be the biggest witness that you have. And so if you lose that or uh, things get brought out that, you know, you just weren't aware of, man, that can be so damaging. So hopefully this is an encouragement. I know sometimes it's the dot in the I's and crossing the T's. I know a lot of people uh, are like, oh, that that's kind of tough," but I need to I need to process through this. And some people are like, "Yes, let's do this." So, take us away, Brian. Let's jump into this.
0: Yeah. So when you talk about again, just kind of structure, leadership structure of our churches, um, and I think this is one thing that's probably a little bit unique to to an established church versus a, a church plant, right? Because when you come into a church plant, like you. Uh, depending on the model of church planting you're doing, like there's probably certain structures built in or certain accountabilities from, uh, from a sponsoring church or, or, or a planting organization or wherever it is. But, but pretty much from a plant though, you are making it up, right. As you go or you're starting it, the unique thing of a uh, established church is that you are walking into a structure that's already existing, right. That was there before you. And so first off to say is that it's very important for you to understand what that structure is as you enter into that established church, right? And, um, because like you said, they're all unique. And even though, like you said, there's some kind of typical camps that or styles of structures that we're going to, that I'm going to, mentioned here literally, uh, really soon, right. When we look at those, there are the kind of those certain styles, but yet there's very variances within each of them. And a lot of times, especially in smaller established churches, sometimes, you know, different policies or governing structures sometimes are put in place because of one person or to avoid a hard conversation, right. Or again, to find that that's something you need to look into as a leader, whether you're the pastor Um, or just, or even just a a board member or a lay leader in your church, in your established church is find out kind of what's the backstory behind the structure that exists, because there probably is one, right. As to, you know, what's been done, how it's been changed. Um, and again, I talked about previous episodes, we've already talked about it, about the, the, all the backstory at Oregon trail that kind of led into the structure that we have now today. So, so the, um, here we go. These, the two most typical, uh, styles of governance that we see in most churches. So most churches fall into one of them. One is either a board led or an elder led structure, um, or a staff led or pastor led structure. And so those are kind of the two main camps right now. um, both of those have multiple people in different roles. Like you, like you said, for accountability, checks and balances, i think uh and those are both healthy for just varying reasons just like everything comes has strengths has also or weaknesses right or weaknesses can be strengths and so there are plus and minuses to both uh structures i'll say but that there is kind of this third camp probably the ones that just don't fit in there and even i in my observation i've seen a lot there are a lot of kind of church plants uh that might default to that and that is just there is no structure we don't have a board we don't have you know, anything, it's just kind of, I'm just doing whatever I'm doing. Right. And with the pastor. And so, and just like you said, though, that is a very dangerous place to be. And I think no matter where, what environment you're in, whether you're in a place like Seattle, like you said, there's people that want to see the church fail, um, or, or just, or even, even like in Idaho where it's still, you know, more of a a conservative type of place, but yet there are still people out there that don't want to see the church, you know, um, Thrive, right? Or, or and and the other side of it is for people that, um, and again, which is probably another conversation, but which is why churches have to have liability insurance, all that because, um, because some people can see dollar signs when they look at the church, right? As far as you know, that they can come in and like take advantage of the church, and and unfortunately, right? We continue to just read articles and hear about churches that get sued all the time, uh, you know, and and so again, part of it is having a structure, whether it's a staff structure or a board structure is to have that set up that accountability and uh, checks and balances so that it's not just lying on one person. Right. So that, so that there's not just like a blank check for somebody who's too happy to come in and just take all the assets of the church. So, so again, I think just to say that is that the structure is important. Right. And so with that um, you know, whichever structure you're in, it is just important to know what structure you have, right. And what the pluses and minuses of those structures are. So, like you said, you said you are in Fairview is more of a board driven church. I'll tell you, and I've described where Oregon Trail is more of a staff run uh, structure currently. Uh, and so basically what that means, right, is that um, at least this is what I think it means. I guess you can tell me if you think it means something different, but uh, that in a staff run model that all of the day to day decisions, right, kind of the day to day business of the church, most of the decisions um, of vision, direction. You know whether we closed down for during a pandemic or not, kind of all those kinds of things all land on the staff to make. And again, that's that's where I'm at. Again, for the decision whether we shut down or went online or opened the doors again, that was all on me, right, and on our staff to make that decision. That was not a board decision. Where in a board st- structure, right, is those types of big picture decisions and and even some of the day to day stuff like has to go to the board and and that board or that elder board or whatever you call it, board of trustees, we have a board of trustees, even though we're a staff run church, because of those checks and balances, we do have also have a board of trustees. And so, but again, but, but their authority is more limited compared to the staff where in a board run church, they carry most of the authority.
1: Yeah. And I'd say we, our board has been very good with allowing me to kind of help. um, You know, we talk about rejuvenating and doing some of those things. Now, <laughs> some of those have been handicapped as we've talked about, you know, with being in a pandemic of how we would want to, um, you know, kind of have a new, uh, opportunity to go into things and, and encourage others, but we just want to make sure that, you know, that we're doing those and they help, you know, I think for us, those decisions are made for me, uh, to make, but at the same time, as I'm going through this as a first time lead, uh, like for bylaws, like even we're supposed to meet quarterly, but, um, I asked to meet monthly still, because I was hoping during this time that this would help create a bridge that they would see how I work under, um, stressful, maybe circumstances, maybe less than ideal as a pandemic may be. Um, and so, you know, really that they can see that. And so, although we've only been here now, you know, getting close to two years, that in that time, because of the processing, and because instead of meeting quarterly, um, they've probably gotten, you know, closer to like five years worth. So they know my heart, they know how I would operate um, in less than ideal circumstances. So that gives you a little bit more latitude. And so I think part of what you're going through, and and like you said, different than, um, you know, some circumstances, but I think having a an understanding of prior leadership. Now, this isn't one of those things of like you talked about this with, um, you know, with DB and some of those things, not from a negative standpoint to air the dirty laundry, but understand how did this work? And what was the pre-existing kind of status quo? Because I think that kind of helps um, or gives you an opportunity kind of where maybe you could pivot uh, a bit. And so what you don't want, uh, I can say this because I've been a part of a couple different pastoral searches um, and you don't want, like, sometimes we're churches, we're families, we have woundedness. You don't want it to be a power grab for those that are maybe, um, on the search committee or in the place of authority, um, because oftentimes they're coming from a woundedness. And so they're like, our last pastor didn't do this. So we want to make sure this pastor does this, this. And so again, making sure and understanding the why, um, that's a lot of what we're doing here is just. The why, and I think that that is super helpful. Another place where um, having elders, or even if you didn't have elders in that structure, but having a group uh, that you trust as a pastor that can come alongside of you. um, If you're a visionary pastor, you need people around you to help because sometimes you can see A and Z. You don't know all the other letters that kind of go in there to bring it into focus. And oftentimes if you're at, like you said, a smaller church, you need those lay people to help launch that because if it lives and breathes only on what the pastor can do, it will be limited in nature. There will be a ceiling on it and it won't be able to flourish if uh, someone else doesn't have leadership in it or a passion for it. Even if they just take it on because you took it on and said, oh yeah, I'll do it, pastor and they don't understand the vision or you're not speaking into that person in that capacity, um, that's also going to be a spot where it can get sticky wickets a little bit there for you. So again, those are just some of the things I think we fall more in line with, um, you know, with COVID and some of those things, kind of like you just described, Brian, that I was uh, allowed to make those decisions and I don't make those alone, even though that that falls to me, I still solicit help from those that I trust some of those being on the elder board. um, Some of those that are, in this instance, we have like a a lady that worked uh, as a nurse and she worked for the school districts. So us having a child center, she was one of the people that we could ask like, hey, what have you done historically um, as a nurse? What would you do in a school setting if we're going to keep the child center open? Um, You know, kind of understanding and not just justification. And we're good at that because Sometimes we do that for sin's sake, Uh, but like to have a purpose, again, the why we are doing this, because I think, again, in a pandemic, you can see anyone that's going to be, well, why are you doing this? We're a vaxxer. We're not a vaxxer. We're all these different things. And so you can't make it all right. But I think if you can at least explain that, not everyone's going to get on board, not everyone's going to love it. But if I've always found that in those processes or with elders and you're vetting that process, if you process through that with some intentionality and with other people speaking into that, and you have a, why it just didn't come out of, you know, thin air. And you didn't just say, well, this is what we're going to do. Because uh, like you said, whether that you process that with your youth, pastor, your worship leader, any of those kinds of things, that gives some validity to it. And it wasn't whimsical. I mean, I guess as leaders, as we're going through this, we never want to just throw something out there just to be like, oh, yeah, I think that that was a really good idea and not go through it at least. I know we've all done it, but like that there's just points where, you know, you run it through often cases. uh, I know in our instance, our wives can be a great sounding board. Uh, That might not be a good idea or that's a great idea. Um, Or maybe they come up with a really great idea that we take credit for. I would never do that. Um, (laughs) But those kinds of things as you're working through, as you're processing these things, how do you utilize your board, whether they are the one that's leading the ship or you're inviting them into a conversation to have some say, that's also going to have some buy-in, like I said, for, um, you know, helping lay people, those kinds of things, because you can have more ambassadors. It's kind of like this thing that we do called discipleship, I think. So, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And like you said, I think it, it does all kind of meld together. And I think that is to say, even though we are in a staff run model at Oregon trail, like I still, I still take things to the board, um, you know, and, and even, and a lot of times we have these discussions, I'm like, okay, I'm just coming. Cause I want to know where you guys are at. Right. Like not, um, you know, again, I, we don't need a motion or a vote necessarily. Uh, but I do, I want to hear from you, right? Like, Hey, this is what I'm considering, or these are, these are some options in front of us. Like what, you know, what, what would, how would you advise? And, and again, because those board members, at least again, in our structure, like they are, um, they are the ones that set the budget. They are the ones that oversee policy, right? Like they, again, we do have a motion a vote, right. To set policies and those kinds of things. But again, they, they are giving, I mean, basically through those, especially those two main avenues, they are showing me like what the sandbox I have to play in. Right. They're like, Again, you are in charge of everything inside these boundaries, right? And like, so again, beyond that, like there's, this is your responsibility, your decision to make, you have the authority to say yes or no. Um, but like I said, a lot of times I do come to them, even on those decisions that, that are on my shoulders to make, I still want to hear from them because again, our board is elected um, from our congregation. And so everybody who's on our board of trustees, um, they're elected by the congregation, they represent the congregation like I said, to fulfill those responsibilities. And so, and that's been one of the things that I've consciously tried to do because I am on the nominating committee for our board. And so I do have a lot of influence into who gets on the board. And that's one of the things for, for me is, uh, is to make sure that our board like adequately represents our congregation. And so I want to have some diversity on our board. And so for us, like, again, a mix of men and women, a mix of different ages, a mix of different phases of life, Right. I mean, we have some retirees on our board and we have some that have young kids. Right. And we have ones that have kids in college. I mean, there are, you know, again, it's a mix of men and women that's on our board. And that's that's one of the things that I purposely try to do to make sure that 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 our board does adequately represent, you know, the um our, our current congregation. And I would say through the years, that's been kind of hard to do. Cause especially when we started Oregon trail, like, and, and I've said like, you know, that be a congregation was true, was, typically older, right? I mean, it was our older demographic and our board represented. So, I mean, they were all people that, you know, could have been my parents or older that were on our board when I started. And, um, you know, but yet, but our church has grown a lot with younger families. And so over the years with every, as we were, were you know, they fulfilled their terms, we brought new people on all those kinds of things. We've purposely gotten our board to be younger, um, just because we want, you know, want it to, to best represent our congregation. Um, so now again, with that said, like, because it is, like I said, the board has, uh, again, the board does my evaluation. In fact, this next month, this December board meeting will be my evaluation meeting. So, uh, again, I'll go to do that. Now, again, I manage all the staff. I carry all of that. You know, I do their evaluations. I bring to that. The only authority that, uh, the board has over the rest of the staff is, uh, is whether we pay them or not. Right. So, because um, again, they, they manage the budget, right? And the finances. And so now, again, if they are going to raise or not, like whether we give them a raise or or we let them go, like that's ultimately based on me. And so they, they're they going to set the budget based on my recommendations of like, hey, like we're, we're underpaying this position or they need more time. I, we need to, to raise them. Uh, so again, like I will bring that to the board, but then it's that they have the authority to ultimately to approve it or not approve it, right? Based on the finances. So, but again, that, that's not a decision. Like if I bring that to them, that's not something that, that's going to, you know, when, when it's time to vote on it, but that's not going to be the first time to hear it. Right. Because that's one of the things I always try to bring things to the board. And like I said, even things that they don't have the authority or I need a motion for, I still want to hear their opinions on. And I think just like you said, I mean, scripture tells us, right. That with, with much counsel comes wise decisions. And I think that's so very true. Again, no matter what your structure is, And um, so but again, I think it is highly important that you know uh what decisions you have the authority to make as the pastor or as a lay leader or a ministry leader or even a volunteer, right? Again, like, okay, um, you know what what kind of what kind of uh you know plastic bags we put in the garbage cans? Like, is 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 that a decision that you can make right as a volunteer, or is it one that has to go up? And again it seems like that that's just very trivial but but the reality though is that so many times right like it's the water's so muddy in the church about who makes what decisions and, and and it all comes down not just to structure but you just need to know that right and then um just once just so you don't end up stepping on your own feet right or offending people when you shouldn't be or you know or making decisions that were theirs to make and then you know, steamroll people. I mean, there's all kinds of, all kinds of things that can happen there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think some of the things as you were talking that I was thinking about kind of, and again, if you have more questions about this, you could reach out to us and we could dive deeper into these things. Again, we have a limited amount of time to, you can't unpack everyone's bylaws. At least you can't ours in, in about a 40 minute podcast. That just doesn't happen. Um, but there are different things and a couple that I wanted to run through, um, is selection of the board. Um, and so how do you guys process that? How do you go through the selection of that? You talked about being on, um, a recommendation, uh, kind of committee that helps bring some names to ratify. Uh, we have that here as well. And I serve on the search committee is what ours is called. Um, and, uh, but I can't share that because again, there's a checks and balance there of that um, they are bringing forth. And hopefully this is the case in, in every circumstance. When we're bringing leadership in that there is a process for uh, Christ followers, that these people have exhibited uh, leadership and good people in their faith walk uh, as well as just their willingness to, to give and to serve, um, you know, of their time and, in and, and other things. So, Um, I think that that's important is the the selection of that, because I think it's really important, especially as like a pastor. um, You got to remember, like you said, oftentimes, most of the time, if not all of the time, um, these elders are not obviously paid staff. They're volunteers they're people that have given up their time. And sometimes, like you said, even in your structure are asked to make big financial decisions and they don't get a chance to know everything that oftentimes we get. So that puts a lot of pressure on the pastor to adequately uh, give the scenario. That's probably why you just said you run it by them a couple of different ways so they can process it, that they can hear it, that they can kind of be praying about it before that decision has to be made, you know, right there on the on the floor, so to speak. And so um, I think bringing those things to light, I have a couple more, but let's just start there with kind of the selection. For ours, um, right now we're on like a, every... Two years, uh, or every year we rotate on it like a new two, and they serve a, a four year period. And so they serve a four year period. They can serve back to back four year periods, so they can do eight before they need to step down. Um, and, and every year there's two that are coming due to kind of rotate off. So that is one. Uh, we have currently 10. Our bylaws call from anywhere from nine to 11. And um, we have 10, which is kind of a, a hard number because uh, you could find yourself in a tie at 5-5 and, and heaven forbid that we would. But I get a vote in that. And then the nine voting members, we now have seven, uh, we call them resident elders. And then we have two non-resident elders and our bylaws call for them to be um, credentialed through Church of God. So we have two non-resident elders and that is a huge help to us. Because sometimes, again, not only are they serving God in a different capacity, sometimes they have uh, different resources. Maybe um, like for one of mine, it was the one of our past senior pastors for here. And he was the intern before I got here. So he's been very connected. I think he, he jokes about being at the church like six times. So from he was here as a young kid, his parents moved to take over farming in Wisconsin, then they came back. And then he was the lead pastor before we got the site where we're currently at. Um, And then he's been back as an intern and stuff. So he talks about how he's been back. So he speaks to the historical view. Why did it come to be this way? Uh, What was the thought pattern? Historically, this is who we are. This is part of our DNA, even if that's changing. Um, And then our second uh, non-resident elder is, Uh, through Church of God ministry. He's on the executive team. And so that helps us stay connected there, but also uh, through global context and some of those things. And it just has a different feel because sometimes we think of, oh, we've always done it this way or this is how we do it. But sometimes just having an outsider come in and say, oh, well, I've been involved with other churches and they do this this way. And it's like, great. We don't have to recreate the wheel. And so again. How do you guys select them? Kind of what is that makeup of your elders and uh, kind of what is their terms?
0: Yeah. So, um, so again, is you, you use the, the term elder and that is kind of a biblical term. Like if you look in, in Timothy, you know, and, and some other dude, some, some of those, New Testament descriptions of what church leadership is, and again, they use um that's the term. But again, we don't have elders; we we call ours board of trustees. So we we just have one board. Like I said, if you if you there are a lot of of churches that use that exact structure described in Timothy with elders and deacons. And again, that's that's a, a whole another probably conversation. Like I said, and and what deacons do and and all of that. But so again, we don't. So our board of trustees functions basically as elders and deacons. And so they, they kind of full fulfill that. Um, although I guess you could probably argue that our staff are actually probably the deacons, but anyways, that's, uh, that's, like I said, a different conversation probably, but so ours are board of trustees members. So we have per our bylaws and ours are, are a little different than yours. We have seven board members and two alternates. So if we have you a know, full board is nine people, um, And, but seven of those are, are board seats and we have two alternates. So our board seats are, ours are three year terms. Um, and they, uh, and they can all just like yours serve two back-to-back terms before they have to go off the board. Um, and then they have to be off the board for at least a year before they can reapply. Um, and so, uh, and ours are also staggered just like yours, which is wise, right? So that you don't end up with the whole board potentially going off at the same time. And then you have to bring on all new people have no idea what's going on. So, you know, ideally you just replace a couple every year. So we have, so ours since it's an odd number. We have ours goes two, two and three, right? And so this last year, we literally just had three that got elected and then next year will be two. The year after that will be two. And so those are all staggered in that way as well. And obviously they are kind of staggered too, based on whether it's their first term or their second term, whether they have to go off again or going, you know, doing their second term. So, but anyway, so that's where that, and then our alternate positions are actually one year term. So they are elected every, every year. Um, and so those alternates are on the board. They go through the same process to get on the board as our board seats, but they are only one year term. So they have to be reelected every year. Um, there is no, um, like term limit necessarily on them other than they have to be ratified every year. Um, but they also, they, it's, it's an alternate seat in that that they are on the board. They are part of all the discussions in all the meetings are included in all the communications. However, they cannot make a motion and they do not vote. And so again, so our vote technically could never be in a tie because we have seven board members. Right. And so, um, if everybody's there, right. Then we would never have a tie. Um, although the way that goes again is based on our board chairman doesn't vote unless there's a tie. Um, so, so again, our board chairman would be breaking the tie, right? He's the seventh vote. And so, which is currently he, it doesn't have to be a man. Uh, it could be a woman, but currently it's man. And, uh, and then, so, and so I, again, per our models, I have to be present in all board proceedings, um, but I am not on the board and I do not vote. And so that is different right than, than yours. Um, so so like I said, but, um, and again, that is that kind of checks and balances, right. Of like where the board, uh, you know, is has a authority over me, right. As, as, as a senior pastor. So, and so again, you know, again, it's kind of a conflict of interest for me to vote on my own hiring or firing, right. Or, or whatever. So, um, so, so yeah, so that's the way our structure is. So I, again, have to be present at all board meetings, um, and per our bylaws, but I do not have a vote and I cannot make a motion. Um, and so, but, and again, that's just the separation of power basically, right. As far as I have the power to make a lot of the day-to-day decisions and staffing and kind of all those vision, spiritual leadership for the church, all those kinds of things. Um, but then the board, so the board, like I said, does, has their primarily policy and, uh, budget decisions. Um, so that's, that's where we're at No, So nominating teams. So I am, like I said, it's me, it's me, the board, our board chairman our church treasurer and then up to two other people that can be on that nominating committee. So so it's a minimum of 3. So it has to be board chairman, senior pastor and church treasurer. And again, a part of our vetting process like they go through, they apply to be, you know, we have we have a packet we put out with kind of the requirements of the board, expectations of the board, the terms explaining all those kinds of things. Um, there's a questionnaire they fill out and then we have um, a a interview, they come in with that team and they interview through that. And then we seek the Lord on whether the committee approves them or not. Um, part of that vetting process or part of the expectations is in that packet is that our board members are contributing members to the church. Um, so that's why our church treasurer is on that team is because, um, they're one of the only two people that know who gives and how much and how often, Right. Because again, I don't know that and none of our board members know that. I mean, I none of our staff know that. I mean, we see the general numbers, right? Like I know what the offering is every Sunday and I know where our budget is and you know, all of our expenses. Like that's part of my responsibility is to control or keep keep watch of that and to make sure that the staff don't overspend or, you know, or whatever. Right. And so I mean, that is a part of my role. And all that is is uh reported to the board. And so I see those same numbers. So I see the general numbers, but I don't see individual giving records. Um And so only our treasurer does that. So again, if somebody comes, a name is brought up as a potential board member, right? Like, I mean, I don't know whether they are regular contributors or not, right? And and again, it says in there that that they're supposed to be tithers. Now again, we don't know what anybody makes, and that's none of our business. And so we will never know if they're actually biblically tithing, right? You know, giving ten percent or increase. And again, even our treasurer won't know that. Obviously, and again, currently it's a woman, doesn't have to be a woman, but, uh, you know, I mean, she can obviously tell if you're throwing 50 bucks a month, obviously you're not biblically tithing, right? I mean, you know, you're living on more than $500 a month, we would expect, right? So, um, so again, but, but even with that said, we don't really know, right? But, but that's why she's on that team. Um, and so that's really one of the only ways I would ever know. Uh, whether somebody is a tither or not is if their name gets crossed off of the nomination list by the treasurer i it's not hard to figure out why right so um but again that's uh so that's kind of the break and then once the nominated committee job is to present right the people for those positions and then they are ratified by the congregation and so the, the congregation votes at our annual meeting every year they vote on those members and so but they just vote to approve or not approve so it's again, we just present one name for each position. It's, it's not, it's not like a, you know, where, Oh, there's, there's three people for this one seat and they like campaign for like, it, it's not that way and it's purposely set up. So it's not that way. Right. So that just the, so again, if there's two open seats, then the nominee committee brings, will present two names, right. Just, and then they're either approved or not approved by the congregation.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and Sometimes there's little nuances of do you guys have like an executive team that is a branch of your board of trustees? Um, That's how it was when we were like, say, at Vancouver. They could go into executive council. So meaning anyone could come to an elder or board of trustee meeting. But when it went into executive council or those that were there, those ones were a little bit more um, private by nature. They dealt with some of those more specific things. Like in your instance, it would be like the wage of the senior pastor and some of those things, because some of those things, they keep kind of more close knit that that's not everybody's, uh, you know, thing as far as like, oh, the pastor makes exactly this amount and the youth pastor makes this amount. So there's some, again, checks and balances, not like a veil, but again, those things can be very um, divisive. I think like I've seen that in the past, like for oh, well, this youth pastor should do a lot more then, and they should make a lot more. You know, we talked about, again, previous show about if for you, if they're not able to do the sole purpose that they have at that level, then they will be a part-time person. So um, we had kind of that here. We have kind of that same thing, maybe in a, in a finance committee. So again, it, our treasurer is a guy and, and it kind of holds those things um, together, but we meet and we discuss some of those things, um, whether that is um, maintenance or some of those things as well that, uh, that are going to be check written things. So uh, we have that. Do you have anything along those lines An executive kind of council, or?
0: So, yeah, I, I mean,
1: well, I'm telling you, our board of trustees
0: is our executive council. So, okay. um, so yeah, but same thing as far as like, I mean, our, you know, our meetings are open. I mean, any, anybody can come to them. But yeah, but if we are um, speaking to personnel issues or pri- you know private type of stuff, then yes, I mean we can go into executive session, and again, and that is where again like anybody who's not on the board, you know, officially, um, is is not in privy to that conversation. Uh, And like I said, with that too, even like when we present the budget to the congregation every year, um, all of the salary numbers are not included. Like, you know, I mean, again, there's a whole section of payroll, you know, in our budget and like they see the, the total number, right. Of what we're spending on payroll, but they don't see it. It's not broken down into the different positions. So even my salary, all of the staff salaries are not, you know, quote unquote public knowledge. Um, and so, and, and like I said, again, that was one of the things that I changed when I came because they were literally presenting everything. And like you said, it was kind of divisive, right. Of, of like, you know, of, of everything of every employee's salary being out there for everybody to see. And like you said, there's always different. difference. Was, oh man, maybe I should have been a pastor. I never made that much money. You know, there's just all these kind of different comments and, you know, stuff. And, and like I said, it's just not healthy. And I think there's, and the reality, there's no other business that, that posts all of their employees' salaries for everybody to see. Like, like you just don't do that. And so, so we didn't do it any either anymore. Right. And, um, and like I said, there was, there were a few people that, that kind of questioned it. And when we first started doing that, but.
1: Well, but again, part of that is the checks and balance that you kind of have there are those people making those financial decisions, or ones that are giving, you know, like that that's part of yeah. the process for you. It's a very slippery slope to, um, to have people that are directing or helping speak into where God's money is going. If they're not themselves also giving in that same capacity. And so I think those are some things that are there. I mean, I've served on staffs where um, if you're not tithing as a now this, they do know what you make there as, as a, as, a, being on staff, if you don't tithe, um, then that's a fireball offense. Like that's how serious they take it. Um, depends on the leadership, of course, because I've also been on leadership to where that is an expectation, but there's always an exception apparently, but you know, there's some of those things that it can take a lot of different forms is what I'm trying to say. And so yeah. Uh, Just understanding where that is. What is your threshold? Where do you guys feel called? Where is the Lord directing you? I mean, it it can be totally different. Again, you know, as these times have changed, um, even in Seattle, I can't imagine it can continue to get more, but um, it can. And I can speak to Boise as kind of one of those spots um, now that it's, you know, in publications, it's one of those things that is, uh, you know, one of the most un—you know—it's not affordable to live in anymore uh, for the local person, and so the the growth has happened at such a rate that, yeah, the house may still cost half of what it would here in Seattle, but the income isn't the same commensurate to that for them to afford that. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I think you know again when you're talking of leadership, when you're talking of having some of these conversations, these are things that you know you you got to have the conversation because. Um, like if I would have been hired in Boise, I think our house, like from when we got there to now, I think it, it like tripled almost in price. So again, is that one of those things where you triple the pastor salary to keep up with that? Um, yeah, I don't know that that all aligns, but you got to be in communication. You got to have those things. And again, there's resources out there. Obviously we're not like the leading authority on this part of it, but, you know, Church of God has some things, uh, even through retirement for servant solutions, you've been a part of some of those groups for like the care initiative and some of those things to, make sure that the pastor's healthy as well. And that's kind of part of the role of the board is to, um, help make sure that we're healthy, not just in a financial sense. Um, like my big thing on my list, I have my review coming up is to develop a self-care plan for myself. Uh, So that I don't run myself into the ground. So uh, in fact, we're we're seeking some outside counsel and stuff for me to look at resources from other people so that I don't recreate the wheel, but also doing some testing. And so that's kind of working through that with the chairman of our board and and some of those that are on my review team. Um, So yeah, it's important to have people that are vested, that care, that are willing to do that. So anyhow, yeah, go ahead, jump in. Yeah, and you know, I think, like I said, as we just kind of wrap this
0: up, I think um, to say is like when it comes to our our governing structure, whatever the model is, if it's staff driven, if it's board driven, elder driven, you know, elder deacon board, um, you know, or even if you're just doing it by yourself, right? I I think the important thing is to build in these structures, right, and these checks and balances, because any of these structures can work and work well, um, I, but make sure that they are even. Tested a little bit, and just like we said before, every, even a horrible structure works when everything's great. Um, but I think probably one of the best things that have come even come out of the pandemic is every structure has been um, has been tested, right? Because on who makes what decisions, and and like I said, it, it just with the pandemic, because there's been decisions that have been, have been had to have been made that that we didn't ever think we were going to have to make. And again, whether those are financial decisions, you know, are we just how are we going to hold services? you know, are we going to re- require masks or not, right? Like, I mean, all those kinds of things are decisions that, that all have to be made. And yet these different structures, like the process of that, of arriving at that decision is different. And so, um, again, I think just as we said, no matter what structure you're in, make sure the one that you have a structure, uh, make sure that, uh, there are checks and balances in that structure so that again, all the weight is not on your shoulders right. As a single leader. Um, and also so that it's, it's also defendable, right. Whether it's especially for financial things, um, or, or even any of these other decisions that, uh, again, that, that you can't just be taken out, right. Or fired for, you know, a, a wrong decision or, or something like that as well. And so again, it's just really important to have that. And so just know your structure, right. Um, build one if you don't have it, and, and seek counsel. And like you said, whether it's outside counsel, they said that that's one of the pieces that you have in yours that we don't have at Oregon trail is you have some outside influences are built into your board. Now, now again, that's something I've sought. Like you said, like I've, I've sought that community and in, you know, in church of God and in, in with other pastors in our area. Again, I have people I can call that are in church of God or outside of church of God or in other denominations that I can ask questions to like, man, how do you guys deal with this? And, you know, again, and every denomination has its kind of different structures built up. But I think we see the importance of that, right? And, and through that. Um, now, again, what's kind of opened up and that's typically what we do, right? Is we're like, oh man, that's a good idea. We need to dive deeper into that. And I think probably next episode, just as you talked about, is a self-care routine, right? Like kind of how are we evaluated, like sabbatical. I mean, that's all kind of into that realm. And I think that would be a great thing for us to talk about as well. That is connected to our board and our structures, but yet it is it is kind of a separate thing as well. So, um, you know, we, we can definitely jump down that rabbit hole next time. Uh, and, but hey, it's uh, been a, a, a quick time, right? Because our time is already gone. And I think, Um, With that said though, uh, again, church structures, it seems really boring, right? And it's just kind of like, you know, it's something that you can easily avoid or just throw off. But again, if you hear anything from this episode, just know that it's, it's, it is important and you need to know what it is. And, uh, and so that you can function with it and it can do what it's supposed to do, which is help, help you protect you and your church and all of God's money and God's time and, and, you know, and God's mission, right. Of the church we're supposed to accomplish.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some instances, it's a insurance policy to make sure. Um, In some instances, you're the youth guy, but I was the Bible teacher and stuff uh, at a high school. It's kind of like another way to think of it is if you wait to make the decision when you need to, oftentimes it's going to be too late. And we say this to, to, to young men and stuff like if you don't have boundaries with your girlfriend of how far you guys are willing to go um, in the heat of the moment, you're not going to establish that. And so, like, you know, taking that out of the youth group now and putting it back into our context, yeah, this is stewardship, man. If you don't have some of these things in play, and we're still learning and we're still getting some of these in, in practice for ourselves, but like, try to process what you can so that you are ready when it comes. And, um, man, if you need time, and like you said, we'll maybe dive in this next episode, go and, and seek God and try to just get away, hear God in the still small voice, sometimes outside of all the chaos that's taking place that we opened up this episode with. So, yeah, thanks again. Uh, really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, being a part of this journey with us. And if you have any more questions, um, you know, let us know in the various channels. And, uh, we would love to try to help in any way, or man, even just to pray with you or, um, an encouragement even for us. So, Hey, thank you guys. God bless you. Glad that you joined us today.
0: Acts twenty twenty eight. So guard yourselves and God's people feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy spirit has appointed you as leaders. The AXE 2028 Podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at AXE2028Podcast. Or send us an email at AXE2028Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you, and together we can all live out Acts 2028 20, as we serve in the established church.